the Lord. Um, I'm thankful for the willingness to get up here and sing. Um, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I'm just excited to uh, be up here tonight. Um, teenagers, thank you for singing tonight. Um, bless my heart. Um, singing does a great wonder to the person about to preach. And, uh, it, it, it sets the mood for uh, the preacher. And, um, I love good Christian music. I love it. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter number 15. <clears throat> I'm excited to preach. Anytime I get an opportunity to preach, um, I get excited about it. Um, it's not just a hobby or something that you just do. It's not like fishing or hunting or anything like that, sports. It's, it's a calling. Yeah. And um, I'm thankful for the Lord's calling in my life. Um, I'm thankful for the Lord and just how gracious he is to me. Um, someone that can take, how he can take garbage and make it useful. And without the Lord, I'd be nothing. And I'm very thankful for the Lord tonight. Um, in Luke chapter number 15, um, I had a couple messages that I had been preparing for. And um, I wanted to preach on the prodigal son tonight. Um, I just love the story of, of how he, he goes wayward and he, he wastes his life for a while, but yet he comes back to the Lord. And the, the wonderful thing about that story is the only time in the Bible you see God in a hurry is when he's in a hurry to, to get to a sinner. And uh, a father running to um, um, embrace his son that's coming back. Um, the, the story of repentance, true repentance, how, how you come back. And, um, I wanted to preach on that tonight, but couldn't get liberty for it. So the Lord had me preach on his brother. Um, we're going to start in verse number 25. It says, Now his elder brother was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he, uh, and, and he was excited that his brother came back. Is that what it says right there? He j jumped for joy his brother had returned. No. What does it say he was? He was angry. He was angry. Tonight we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the prodigal son that stayed home. We oftentimes hear about the prodigal son that goes wayward, that goes to that far country, but... Little did we know there was a prodigal son that was staying at home at the time. So let's pray real quick. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for the time we're going to have tonight, Lord, to open your word. Lord, I pray that as uh, the word goes forth, you give us the promise that we will not return void. But Lord, as it goes forth, I pray that it will do what I can't do. Lord, I pray that it will penetrate deep in the hearts. Lord, if there's something that's, uh, that's in between us and you, Lord, something that maybe we're holding on to that we're not willing to get rid of, I pray that you'll convict us tonight. Lord, I know as I studied for this, you convicted me of many things in my life. Lord, help us to let go. Lord, we come to the altar a lot of times to, uh, to, to get forgiveness, Lord, and we come with a repentant heart, but we hold on to things. But Lord, tonight, I pray that you'll convict us where we need to be convicted, and Lord, that you'll get the, the honor and everything that's done, Lord. Uh, be with us tonight. For someone that's not saved, I pray that they'll trust you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Word prodigal. Um, the easiest definition is a waster. Um, as you look the definition of it, it's someone that's profuse, profuse or lavish 
but it says a waster. And no doubt the first prodigal that's mentioned that goes to the far country was a great waster of the inheritance that he, he was given by his father. But let alone we read later on after he returns, his father puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, puts shoes on his feet. We find the prodigal that stayed home um, had some very serious things going on in his heart and in his life. Now, as we read this story, um, the prodigal son story, the first one, the one that, that journeyed into the far country, has an ending. He comes home, he repents, and, and he's restored. This story is not the same. There's no ending to this story. It's open-ended, and I think it's open-ended because God wants us tonight to choose. You're going to have to judge for yourself how the story ends for your life, just like I had to choose when I was preparing for this, how it was going to end for my life. Anytime um, a preacher gets up and preaches something, anytime the word goes forth through the pulpit, um, the Lord's working on the preacher's heart. And as I studied for this, I had to make decisions as well. But by and large, tonight, I'm not speaking to prodigals tonight. I'm not speaking to the ones that go to the far country. I'm speaking to the ones that stay at home. You know, we have a great house of the Lord we can come and worship in. He gives us a, a wonderful building to come and, and praise Him in. But I think of this prodigal that stayed home. You know, the funny thing about him is he stayed at his daddy's house. He followed all of his daddy's rules. He ate at his daddy's table. He worked in his daddy's field, but yet he was missing one thing. He forgot to have the heart of his father. He didn't have his daddy's heart. And as we read, we're going to see that he was just as backslidden in heart as the prodigal that went to the far country. And the word backslide, I like doing word studies. Um, I encourage you to study the Bible, not just read it. We hear uh, Pastor Caldwell say this all the time. Not just read the Bible, but study it, meditate it, do word studies. Backslide means to fall away, to neglect one's vows of obedience, and to fall in the sin. Now, we might say, well, he stayed at home. He, he was obeying. Yes, he was at home, but his heart was far from God. He honored God with his mouth, or his, he honored his father, his daddy, with his mouth, and by his deeds, but his heart was far from him, far, far, far from uh, what was right. Um, it said that he was, in verse 28, says that he was angry. Now tonight, that anger um, revealed a few things that was going on in his life. Number one, number one, he had the wrong idea of himself. He had the wrong idea of himself. Let's just be honest, um, the prodigal son that stayed home had a problem with pride. He had a pride problem. Pride is an inordinate self-esteem or out-of-place self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office. And here's the kicker. Which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. And this is exactly what was his problem. Um, He was thinking more highly of himself than he should have been thinking. And if we're honest, most of us probably have a problem with this sometimes too. We think more highly of ourselves than we should and not highly enough of our God in heaven. Um, I want to look at verse number 25 real quick. And I want to take a look at the personal pronouns that were used right here. Okay, it's actually, let's see here. Verse 29, or I'm sorry, verse 27. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. 
Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, now here's, here's where he starts spouting out. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. If you look at the personal pronouns of I, me and my, you can tell his focus was on himself. His focus was all, he, all he was worried about was what he could get out of, out of the situation. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, flip over there real quick, hold your place here, turn to flip, uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Verse number 5 says, Proverbs 16, verse 5, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. It doesn't matter what our actions are. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If we're proud in heart, everything we do is for, for nothing. It's all vanity. And this was his problem. He had the wrong idea of himself. He, he was the one that stayed home. He stayed in the house. He was doing the good work, but yet his heart was far away from what his father's heart was. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we can get like that sometimes too. Um, it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Um, your heart can deceive you. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. That's the problem with man. We have a heart problem. Um, our, our outer works can sometimes look good, but oftentimes our heart can, can, can put those away from what's, what's right. Also, look at verse, flip back over there to uh, Luke 15. Look at verse number 29 again. It says, And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Do I serve thee? You know, was he a servant or was he a son? He was a son. But yet he's using vocabulary as he's a servant. And now we're supposed to serve the Lord. But we're not servants of God. We're, we, we are sons and daughters. If you're saved, you're a son and daughter of God through the blood of Christ. You're on the same level as Christ is with the Father. And we're to be um, sons of God, not just servants. And he had the, the mentality of, um, my brother's been away in a far country all these years. But yet, I've been here and I've served you, uh, Daddy. I've served you. It should have been, you know, I, I'm a son, not, not, not a servant mentality. And he was talking about all the good things he had done. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2, it says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. The problem with a lot of people today is we have a lot of self-proclaimed worship, meaning we, we promote ourselves. And this generation we live in now is, is probably the worst. We live in the selfie generation, where it's all about me, myself, and I. You know what we're talking about. Um, it's all about what we can gain out of it. We're, we're too worried about what our um, appearance is. We're too worried about uh, our, our wealth, our, our money situation, how, how much wealth we can accumulate, when it should be about serving the Lord and, and giving Him our all. I think of the, uh, the theme for the year, to know God and to make Him known. The Bible says in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the, the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. We have nothing to glory in. And the son had nothing to glory in. 
he had a father that was willing to take care of him, yet he was too worried about his brother. And that leads me to the second point. First of all, he had the wrong idea of himself. Secondly, he had the wrong idea of his brother. Look at verse 30. It says, But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. You notice he doesn't say, when my brother came. He said, when thy son. He had another problem. He didn't just have a pride problem. He had a bitterness problem. He had, a res- he, he had resentment in his heart. And that resentment had um, escalated and became hatred. Bitterness, if you look up the word bitterness, it's in a figurative sense, extreme enmity. It's to hold a grudge, hatred, or rather an excessive degree or implacableness of passions and uh, emotions as the bitterness of anger. We've talked about the word anger. He was angry, and this wasn't a good anger. The Bible does say you can be angry and sin not. Christ had, had good, godly anger. But when it leads to bitterness and it leads to resentment, that's whenever it becomes sin. And this was the, the, the elder brother's problem. He had bitterness in his heart. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look a few things up. I like using the Bible because it's not important what I say. It's important what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, verse number 14. It says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. In verse 15, here we go. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and there be many, or thereby many be defiled. He's saying, watch out for the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness will spring up in your life, and it's not only going to destroy you, but it's also going to destroy people around you. And there may be someone in here right now that's dealing with bitterness that doesn't even know it. Well, there's been times in my life, I'll just be honest, there was times in my life where I had root of bitterness and didn't even know it. I was holding a grudge towards someone and didn't even realize it was defiling me. And God says, watch out for the root of bitterness. It's going to spring up, it's going to trouble you, and it's going to trouble ones around you. And ultimately, it may destroy the ones around you. He also, if you, if you think about it, he never saw his brother in the filthy clothes. He never saw him smelling like pigs. He never saw him when he first got home. He had come home and he had come to the house and there's music playing, people dancing, and everybody's having a great time. And uh, they, he had a robe on his hand and a, or on his body and a, uh, a ring on his finger and new, new shoes on his feet. He never saw his brother in, in those clothes, in that, that state he was in. But yet he judged his brother and he condemned his brother when in reality his heart was just as wrong as his brother's heart was. Galatians chapter 6. Flip over there real quick. Galatians 6. This is... Um, the devil's very subtle and very sneaky. And he'll use simple little things like this to deter us and get us off path. And to get us offended. Get us, get us off course. Galatians chapter 6 verse number 1. And that, this can specifically apply as we read this verse. Think of the prodigal son and his brother. The, the elder brother. Brethren... If a man be overtaken a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It's saying, when someone's overtaken in a fault, we can agree, the prodigal son, when he was in that far country, he went and 
lived that life of riotous living and, and wasted the substance. He was um, overtaken in a major fault, many faults. But was the eldest brother spiritual in this, in this instance? No, he wasn't. He was carnal was the problem. His heart was far from God. And through that carnality, he then started to lash out at the Father about this. But as Christians, if you're saved, you're a Christian tonight, it's your job to be spiritual. It's your job to take God at His Word, to read His Word, to, uh, to, 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 to be filled with the Spirit. Those are all things that we can do. Those are all things that Christ gave us the example of. So if Christ gave us the example of it, it's possible for us to do it. He was our example. We're to be spiritual. If we're not spiritual, we can't help others. It's, there's no in-between. You're either spiritual or you're carnal. There's, there's no in-between. Uh, you're either heart... Uh, see, the problem is, is we have hot and cold, but some people want to be lukewarm. And the, the Laodicean church... Um, God said he hated that. He'll spew you out of his mouth for that. God hates lukewarm Christians. And we need to either be hot or cold. When it's spiritual or carnal. It's up to you. Um, it's up to me. It's whatever we want to do with our Christianity. See, our Christianity only goes as far as we want it to go. Uh, God leaves it up to us. He doesn't choose, hey, th- I'm going to make this person special and they're going to be more filled with the Spirit and they have more of an opportunity to do more for me. No. He, he leaves it up to us. It, it depends on what you want to do with it. The problem is, is we have a compassion problem. We have a major compassion problem. Um, in Jude chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Um, compassion is love moved to action. Love moved to action. And that's, that's the greatest example of compassion was Christ. Now, he had compassion on people, and he healed people, uh, not only physically, but spiritually. And he was our greatest example. He had compassion on people. The elder son had no compassion for the, the younger son. He was just stewing on what, what his brother was doing and why he was off and why he was spending the inheritance and, and, and what his brother was involved in. So first of all, he had the wrong idea of himself. Secondly, he had the wrong idea of his brother. Thirdly, he had the wrong idea of sin. Look back at your text real quick. Luke 15, verse 30. It says, but as soon as, as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He had the wrong idea of sin. Um, he was always thinking of the fun his brother was away having. Now, it doesn't speak of this, but you can, you can infer, you can read between the lines. I believe he had bitterness towards his brother because he, he was jealous of what his brother was getting to do while he was at home working. The problem, though, is we only see sin from one side. You know, in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve, um, they weren't supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they both knew it was wrong to take of the fruit. But yet, here comes Satan in the form of a serpent. He comes and he, um, he, he, he deceives Eve. And he told her that you'll, you'll know both good and evil. The, the problem I have with this, though, if you really think about it, did she not already have the knowledge of good? She had the knowledge of good already. She had God. So eating the fruit, what did she have to gain? Nothing. All she was gaining was the knowledge of evil. She didn't need that. She had the knowledge of good. And see, we only see it from one side a lot of times. 
We only see sin from one side. And sin is fun for a season. We hear that all the time. Sin's fun for a season, but it's only fun for a season. That season's going to run out. And um, there, there are some things that come along with that. Now, tonight I'm preaching to the young people, and I'm preaching to everybody tonight. This is, um, this is stuff that we, we all could be better at. We all could trust more in the Lord in this stuff. Um, but sin is fun for a season, but only for a season. And um, Pastor Carwell says this a lot. I like, I like the terminology of it. Temporary delights will lead to eternal disasters or eternal destructions. And that's what, that's what Satan does. He takes that, that destruction or that disaster and he sugarcoats it. Almost like um, candy for us. And we start to take of it. And the more we take of it, the more of a taste we'll get for it. And the more of the taste we get for it, the, the, the further it's going to lead us down a, uh, the wrong road. It's that temporary delight that we get. That fun we have for that season. But eventually it's going to lead to that eternal disaster. And I don't believe this, uh, the, this, this son understood all the heartache that his brother was dealing with through this. But Galatians chapter 6 tells us, in verse number 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Um, I like how God starts here, don't be deceived. Be not deceived. You know, we're great at deceiving ourselves. We have a heart that's deceitful and desperately wicked. And our heart lies to us a lot of times. But he says, be, uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. A man doesn't go out into a cornfield and sow apple seeds expecting corn. Or sow corn seeds expecting apples. You know, a farmer goes out and he sows what he wants to grow. And a lot of times we'll sow, you know, sow, sow seeds of the, the flesh and expect it to bring, bring good about to our life. It, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You reap what's sown. We just mentioned that. But you will reap more than you sow. Whenever you sow a seed, it usually brings forth more than the seed that was first planted. So not only do you, sow, you, you, you reap what you sow, you're, you're going to reap more than you sow, and you'll always reap after you sow. Always reap after you sow. Sometimes it might be immediately. Sometimes it might be five years. Sometimes it might be 10 years, but you're going to reap what is sown. That's just, that's just the law of reaping and sowing. God has established that with us. And this prodigal son that went to the far country, he reaped. And he, 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 no doubt he had some things that, that were in his life that he wished weren't there. Sin will always take you, this is a quote, sin will always take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Always. It's going to take you farther than you ever want to go. Like I said, it's like that candy that's got that sweet coating on it. You take a nibble and you get, the, you get the taste for it and it leads to more and more and more and more. And it's going to keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. I believe that the prodigal that stayed home thought he was missing out on all this sin and all this fun his brother was having. All this money he was wasting and, and uh, devouring it with harlots. I believe he wanted to be where his brother was at. He was at home still doing the work, but he, he, he had a heart that was, that was far from God, and he thought he was missing out, and he was missing out. 
he was missing out on the, all the horrible things that his brother was going to have to deal with when he got home. And listen, teenager, listen, listen, kids, listen, young adults, listen, everybody in here right now. Me too. This is for everybody. When we live a life that is pleasing to God and we live a life that is honoring to God and God keeps us from sin, we do miss out. We miss out on scars of sin for a lifetime. We miss out on broken families. We miss out on a body filled with disease. We also miss out on mind polluted with corruptness. We miss out on broken spirits. We miss out on terrible regrets and memories. And here's the best one. We miss out on hell. That's the best thing about it. We miss out on it. We always look at, we're missing out as a bad thing. No, we're missing out as a good thing. We're missing out on all that. God made a way for us, a better life for us, an abundant life is what he said. He wants you to miss out on those things. Um, I heard a, a, uh, a, a story, of a testimony of Gypsy Smith. He was in a meeting one time, and uh, he was giving testimony time, and men were getting up and shouting, praise the Lord, Jesus saved me from a life of wickedness and, and alcohol. And another one uh, stood up and said, praise the Lord, the, the Lord saved me from uh, abusive relationship. I, I, I was abusive to my wife, and the Lord saved me and changed my whole life. And then Gypsy Smith Stands up, stands up, raises his hand, and says, you know, guys, I've got, I've got one even better. Lord, save me before I even got to that place in my life. He, he saved me from it before he had to save me from it, if you know what I mean. He saved me from all that life before he had to save me and rescue me out of it. And the best testimony is the one where you don't have to live with regret. Um, if you have a, a clean testimony and a testimony where you never did drugs, alcohol, all that stuff, praise the Lord. You know, that's what I want for my sons. And, and if I have any daughters, I want that for my kids. But you're missing out on all those awful things. Praise the Lord. Um, the, 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 uh, the song goes, I've missed out on the heartaches, living my life in sin. I've missed out on the sorrow of facing this world without Him. I have no regrets for the things that I've missed because deep in my heart the truth was and is every day that I live I thank God for what I've missed. God saves us from all that stuff. Amen. He wants to save, save everyone from that stuff. Now, you may come from a background where you went through these things. You didn't know any better. There was, there was times in my life where I didn't know any better. God can still use you. God can still, can still save you and use you, use you in a mighty way. But if you haven't gone through those things right now, trust the Lord. Follow His leading. Follow His guidance. Stay on that right path. But um, the elder brother not only had the wrong idea of himself, the wrong idea of his brother, the wrong idea of sin, he had the wrong idea of his father. Look at verse number 31. It says, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. He had the wrong idea of his father at this time. You know, from his interactions with his father earlier, I get the, the idea that he thought his father owed him something. When he said, verse 29, and he answered said to his father, Lo, these, th these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry 
with my friends, but as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He had the idea that his father owed him something. When in reality, he didn't. His father gave him a place to live. His father gave him food to eat. He gave him a field to work in. You know, God doesn't owe us anything. God owes us nothing. It's by His mercies we're not consumed, is what the Bible says. Um, if we got what we deserved, we deserve a one-way ticket to hell. To burn forever and ever and ever and ever. But God's gracious. And God loves us. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What a manner of love that He's willing... He, he was willing not only to love us, but to come and, and, and send His only begotten Son to, to, to be born of a virgin. This is the time of year we get to celebrate Christ's birth. Born of a virgin, live a perfect life, be put on an old rugged cross to die for our sins, be buried and then raised from the grave three days later. You know, that's, that's God's love for us, God's mercy for us. But I think a lot of times we forget what it's like to be lost. We forget what it's like to be lost. And there's a world out there that is lost. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea where they're going. I think it's good a lot of times to remember back to what we were before. There's times in my life where I reflect and thank God that He pulled me out of that mess. He saved me. He gave life meaning and purpose. I'm just thankful for the great God we have. But he had the wrong idea of his father. He thought the father owed him. I think of the prodigal son that was in the far country, and I also think of the, the, the prodigal son that stayed home. They both were sons. They both were the part of the family of the father. But they both had the same problem. They both thought they were missing out. They failed to realize that the father was enough for them. He was enough. And let me break this to you. Jesus is enough for us. You know, he, He's enough for us in this life. If, if we didn't get anything else besides what, what Jesus has given us, and what God has given us, it'd be enough to praise Him forever Amen. for. Enough to praise Him forever for. Amen. You know, you've got everything you ever need. When you get saved, you get it all. You get all of God. You get all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to need. Now, it's, your, it's, it's your, your opportunity and your job to be filled with the Spirit. It's my job to be filled with the Spirit. That's on us. But... God will do the filling if we do the praying and, and, and the trusting in Him and all that. You know, if we do, if we do the legwork, we obey, He'll fill us. But it's up to us. But He had the wrong idea of His Father. And if we're not careful, we'll get the wrong idea of our Father sometimes too. Um, I, I mentioned this verse earlier. It says, uh, it's in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We serve a faithful God. And this father in the story was very faithful. Um, he was very faithful to his sons. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Let's look at that real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to be finished here soon. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4 and 5 says, But God, I'm just loving God butts in. This is wonderful. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. He said, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. You know, God loves every one of us. God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. God loves everyone. For God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says he loves us. And he commended, he showed that love to, towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. And he loves us. You know, the, the love of Christ um, is almost unexplainable. You know, he, God can't love us any more than he already has. And he can't love us any less than he already has. The Bible calls it, in Jeremiah, an everlasting love. Now, it never started and it's never going to finish. You know, God loves us so much. And the reason he loves us so much is he can't help himself. He just loves us. And he wants us to love him as, we, as he's loved us. And if we'll love him the way he loves us, the only way you can do that is to be filled with the Spirit. Once you start to love him, you're going to love others the way you're supposed to love others. And you're not going to be like the elder son that's angry when, when someone's restored. You know, you can't love others. You can't, if, if your, your relationship's not right this way, it's going to show this way. It's going to show towards others. And if you want to love others the way you're supposed to, you've got to love him the way you're supposed to. We love him because he first loved us. But this story, it was a parable by Jesus. Um, I love his parables, how he gives us, uh, gets us to think. Um, it's open-ended. There's no ending. It said at the end in verse 31, Luke 15, verse 31, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. We don't read a part where it says, And the father restored relationship or uh, fellowship with the son here and everything was wonderful. It's open-ended. It doesn't give us, it's almost like the story of Jonah. There's no ending really to Jonah. Because God wants us to think. And tonight, you're going to have to be the one to, that, that, that finishes the story for your life. And I'm going to have to be the one that finishes that story for my life. Don't let pride get in the way of you and the Lord and you of other, and others. Don't let bitterness get in the way. Don't let sin get in the way. We have a Heavenly Father that loves us and wants the best for us. We just need to trust Him and keep our eyes on Him. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on the Father. Everything else around us will, will, will be what it needs to be. God will provide. His will will be done in our life, but we have to trust in Him and have confidence in our Lord and Savior. The elder brother had the wrong idea of himself. He had the wrong idea of his brother, the wrong idea of sin, and the wrong idea of his father. Let's be more like the Prodigal. Let's come back with that repentant heart. You know, let's not be like the elder brother, the one that thought the father owed him something. God doesn't owe us anything. God loves us, and what he's already given us is enough for eternity. I think we should just praise him for that. Oh, let's have